HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, welcome to Cutting the Curd. I'm Diane Stemple, and this week I'll be discussing the very newly released book, The New Cocktail Hour, The Essential Guide to Handcrafted Drinks. Welcome to Andre Darlington and Tanaya Darlington, a brother-sister team. Hi. Hi, Diane. You're breaking up a little bit, but oh, okay. I'm still here. Okay. We're, uh, Andre, are you there? I'm there. Oh, good. Thank you. Okay, well, we're we're having a bit of technical difficulty today because about half an hour ago at my house and uh, like a mile away, the phone died. And then when I got here, it turns out their phone's dead. So we're doing this. Oh, no. We're doing this on my cell phone with both of you going through my cell phone to the engineer board and then through to me. Okay. <laughs> so a little exciting, a little last minute excitement at the end. <laughs> nothing a drink, nothing a drink wouldn't solve. Um, <laughs> anyway, so this book came to my attention because Tanaya, you've already published a cheese book called The Bruno Brothers House of Cheese in 2013. How did you two get the idea for this book? Well, actually, Diane. We really wanted to do a book together, and we pitched a book about cheese, wine, beer, and spirits. Ah. Um, but our public, <laughs> yeah, but our publisher really wanted a cocktail guide, um, and so that sent us down this rabbit hole. And uh, Andre's specialization really is writing about wine and spirits, and so it was uh, a project we couldn't refuse. Oh, I can see why. So you went to the publisher wanting to combine everything, and then they uh, sent you in this direction. Exactly. Yeah, we had, oh, go ahead, Andre. I was just going to say, yeah, we've actually 
Ty and I are, are um, cocktail enthusiasts, so we were, you know, Google hanging together anyway as we were working on other projects, and we would make drinks together online. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. As funny as that sounds. And, it does uh, sound funny. This was, this was a good fit for us. Okay, okay. So do how often do you see each other in person and have cocktails together? Uh, a few times a year, probably more, more than before we wrote the book, that's for sure. Okay. Um, but, but, uh, but probably, you know, six, six to eight times a year we're, we're traveling together or uh, Tanaya comes to Madison where I live or mm-hmm. I fly to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I want to say Tanaya lives in Philly and Andre lives in Madison, two very food-centric locations. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> who's, may I ask who's older and what the age difference is? You don't have to give specifics. I'm older and we're six, six and a half years apart. Oh, okay. So who introduced whom to alcoholic cocktails? <laughs> well, Diane, we can never tell. <laughs> oh, are your parents listening? <laughs> Probably. Like, and I have definitely got a head start. Oh, well, I would. I, I didn't know it was six years. That's a, that's a significant head start. Diane, you should know that we had parents who were very European, and we were allowed to drink with adults at the dinner table from a very young age. Well, I, that was my next question. Do your parents have a part in this, and what are their favorite cocktails? Oh, my God. My mother does like a rum or uh, bourbon sometimes, so I picture Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And my father, our father, um, enjoyed gin, especially oh. um, gin-soaked raisins. Okay, okay. <laughs> right. He thought it was a cure for arthritis. Oh. We always had those lazy Susan. Oh, okay. So because I was wondering, like, are the parents delighted, worried, a little bit of both? I think they're delighted. Oh, good, 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 good. So the publisher was the same as your cheese book, Tanaya, right? That's right. It's a a division of Perseus Books called Running Press, and they have offices here in Philadelphia. Okay, okay. So you had you gone to them with a new idea, and then they said, no, let's just do cocktails? Uh, Exactly. And I had really loved working with them on the Debrina Brothers House I love the photographer who's also local. So one thing we were really excited about was, you know, we got to work with Running Press again, and we got to work with Jason Varney, who's a terrific food photographer. Um, so it was it was good karma. Okay, great. And and the book is beautiful, and the cocktails mouth watering. I mean, it's difficult to decide what to drink first. Reading the book. That's a good problem to have, Diane. It was. It was. Now, how did you divide up the writing? Well, we did it it pretty, well, we did it fairly evenly, and we sort of knew which sections were which, and, um, you know, some of the different sections appealed to one or the other of us, Mm -hmm. and we tried to keep it as even as possible, and... What's been fantastic is one of us would sort of burn out on a section, and the other one of us would say, okay, I'll do it. I'll okay. pick it up. Would pick it up um, and check it out. 
Yeah, and it got to the point in the in the book where we couldn't remember who had written what, which is, I think, fantastic and yeah. leads to a singular voice in the book. Yes, yes. I couldn't. I didn't know what you were going to say. Um, just to tell the listeners who haven't uh, read it yet, because it just came out like a few weeks ago, the drink descriptions are formulated in a certain way. Um, first, they have three or four word tasting notes. Then um, an intro comment, which often includes a pairing um, with food suggestion. Like one example that I got a kick out of was that Cure Royale is recommended to be drunk with a red velvet cupcake. Which is a more humorous one. A more humorous one. And then... A lengthy and 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 often historical description of where the cocktail came from, and then the recipe. Yeah. So I was thinking maybe one of you did the food suggestions and one of you did the history, but now you're saying you both did everything. That's Pretty right. much. And, I mean, Andre started out by building this giant Google Doc where he began putting cocktails in historical order, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we started out with about 500 drinks on our list. We really wanted to teach ourselves the the cocktail canon and to Mm -hmm. um, develop a book that made it really approachable for uh, people who were, you know, enjoy, who enjoy craft cocktails and wanted to try making them at home. Mm -hmm. So from there, we started making these Google Hangout dates, kind of like Skype, and probably every other day or so, we would hop online with shakers in hand and mm-hmm. we'd have three or four drinks queued up and we'd make several versions of it because many of these cocktails um, had been adjusted over time more than right. multiple mm-hmm. uh, there are multiple recipes out there. So uh, we would make a few variations for each one, try it, talk about it. And that was really fun because we got to hang out like old times again. Yeah. Now, what time of day did you do this, though? Did you do it at the cocktail hour? But of course, Ryan, it is called the new happy <laughs> You couldn't do this at 10 in the morning, or the day would be shot. You got That's that. That's right. <laughs> I think for the, for, the, for the layout, we had looked through a lot of cocktail books. You know, by the end of the book, we had looked through almost every other cocktail book. Uh-huh. And so often there's, um, you know, fairly obscure ingredients, and you don't know whether you're going to like the drink. So we really wanted to put in tasting notes, as if it was wine or a beer, mm-hmm. or something on a menu so that people would know that they wanted to make it before they went out and purchased the ingredients. Yeah, yeah. And and that helped me a lot. I mean, this is probably my, well, the first cocktail book I've had on the show, and I don't read that many cocktail books. So, so. Oh, well, thanks. We're honored. <laughs> so it was, um, I didn't know how it compared to other ones, but it seemed quite accessible. Most cocktails are organized alphabetically or by base spirit, mm. and uh, we wanted to create something where there was really a story that would unfold so that you could start with the first cocktail, the old-fashioned, and mm-hmm. really see how it, it had evolved over time. Okay, so it was more hist- a historical perspective. Correct. Okay. It's a very fun book, and you set a very sexy scene for the cocktails. <laughs> and it's almost like the Jay Peterson catalog. Um, one, one very hilarious quote 
is, is it a cocktail or is it lingerie? <laughs> That's the of champagne, isn't it? I don't even remember. I just wrote it down as I was reading the book. <laughs> It's so, an ice cream well, champagne drink that just blew us away. Oh, okay. So how many how many times? Sometimes the cocktails inspire the writing itself. Right, right. <laughs> True. Um, now, I take my job as a book reviewer very seriously. And as this was my first cocktail book to review, I was compelled to go to my favorite and closest neighborhood bar, which is called Reclamation, on Metropolitan nice. and Bushwick close by and ask the very enthusiastic bartenders whose names that night were Tom and Brendan and Michael, who I know was just off duty sitting on the bar, for some help. And I brought the book and picked out some cocktails to taste. And this was, uh, I wanted a good smattering of types. Um, So the most, I had a most delicious first between the sheets. Was oh, that nice. <laughs> was that a good place to start? That's a great place to start. It's got brandy, rum, and champagne. In fact, <laughs> just today I was uh, talking to a cheesemonger about pairing that drink with some comté. Oh, excellent, excellent. <laughs> Unfortunately, I hadn't brought any um, any food with me, and the I think the bartender said, "Oh, this is a rum version of a sidecar." But the bartenders liked it, too. And we were sharing because um, I knew I couldn't drink that many drinks by myself. So they were liberally tasting and even pouring part of my drink into their own glass so we could all taste them. <laughs> it was quite fun. Then my, great. my next pick, I wanted to taste the, am I pronouncing it right, the Luxardo? Sure. Yeah. So I picked the Colonial Cocktail. Oh, the colony oh. cocktail. I'm gin, also the cocktail. Gin, Luxardo, grapefruit, I think. What what do you think of that mm-hmm. one? Was that a good second? Oh, absolutely. That's like a great brunch drink, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Terrific with like mascarpone topped French toast. <laughs> um, You're really definitely. Refreshing. See, you are the food person. I can tell. Oh, Andre is too, I oh. assure you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I finished off my little uh, it was only an hour, and it was daylight, thank goodness. I finished it off with a Tipperary. Oh, nice. Which, oh, from here to Tipperary. Yeah, yeah. That's so the, the, the bartender that's said oh, that's between a Manhattan and a Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. That's right. Do you Have Great you heard that. of a Brooklyn? We do. I don't know if we have the Brooklyn in the, in the, in the, the book The Brooklyn not, is not in the book. But- Okay. It's a drink? I have made it recently. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, the, tri- the Tipperary is fun because it uses the Irish whiskey. Yeah. Um, it's a drink that, um, you know, drinks writer Gary Regan wrote about quite a bit. Um, it was just a, a fun a fun drink that's sort of a blast from the past. You just love the sweet vermouth and love chartreuse with Irish whiskey. Yes, about yes, yes. Chartreuse and bushmills that just works. You just rinse the glass with the chartreuse, correct? Correct. Yes, yes. Yeah. They were impressed with that suggestion. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I stumbled home after that, but they were all absolutely <laughs> delicious. But my respect for your endeavor was significantly heightened because how did you ever do this? I mean, you can't taste that many drinks 
back to back. Well, we did. We, we tasted them all, Diane, but the, the key is that we tasted them. And I remember once we started this project at Andre's house. One day we made 15 cocktails, oh. but they all went into the fridge with a sticky note. And then whoever was home, you know, could drink it. And we invited friends over to finish them oh, off. Oh, so. good. So you just tasted one taste and then put them in the fridge? Also took two tastes. Do you have, did your tolerance for alcohol increase as you were working on the book? I don't know. (laughs) I think we we really started to just be tasting through straws. And certainly by the, you know, the end of some of our power, power tastings, we were, um, not as not so as reliable as for at least two months. Right, right. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's time for a break on the radio station. We'll be right back with Andre Darlington and Tania Darlington to discuss the new cocktail hour. Here come my guys. The Dairy Farm families of Wisconsin and the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board are proud to underwrite Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Wisconsin cheeses have an illustrious heritage of more than 170 years of quality and craftsmanship. During this long and rich history, the art and science of cheesemaking have been captured in time-honored traditions that produce cheese varieties of unsurpassed excellence. Today, Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit www.eatwisconsincheese.com. Hi, it's Diane Stemple back with Tanaya and Andre Darlington about their book, The Cocktail Hour. So let's see, who is, who is the book for? Who should buy this book? Andre? This book is really for the home, I would say, prosumer. Somebody who's really into or starts to get into craft cocktails or somebody who wants to get into craft cocktails. Um, You know, so many books that were available on the market are by a famous bartender or a famous bar. We really wanted to come at it from the other side, from the, you know, from the really the guest side or the the customer side and Mm -hmm. build a book that's really approachable. Okay. I feel, though, when I was researching cocktails, there's a lot of competition with websites and recipes and recommendations. I'm worried that, you know, books are not as, you know, purchasable as they used to be because you can look online for so much stuff. Are you worried about that? There are a lot of resources, which is just fantastic. And I think Mm -hmm. that you know, strangely enough, in the cocktail world, people are really into books still. Um, oh, good. You know, all the all the all the bar, certainly even bartenders, you know, are, are buying the books. And this book, I think, it, because it was pitched a, a, a little differently, is um, uh, just doing really fantastic. And people are getting it as gifts, and they, you know, they're using it at home. Mm-hmm. There's still something about having a book in the kitchen and you know, getting it messy. Yeah, yeah, that's love. true. Now. Um, the the classic inspirations. What did you want to say something to Naya? Oh, I was just going to say, and in this book also, you know, we thought in, if with the spring release, it's perfect for people who are going to the farmers market and are looking to use fresh ingredients. The nice thing I think about a book it, with um, 
you know, single authors or two authors is you get a certain aesthetic that comes through. And so if you're someone who really wants to get into cocktailing or wants to explore it, it, rather than dipping around all over the Internet where, you know, some of those recipes are great and some are really too sweet, right. um, you, you you get a defined aesthetic and you, you know that there's an attention to fresh produce and making mm-hmm. things from scratch. And so I think it delivers a more consistent experience. Okay, that's a good point. Um what were, what are, or who are your classic inspirations, drink-wise? Were they books? Were oh, they books. famous bartenders? Oh, for, for cocktails? Yeah. Recipes? Yeah. Or well, for drinking. No, for drinking you know, both, and then wanting to make. We're both, oh, we're both writers, so mm-hmm. I think we really dip into a lot of cocktail books. Mm-hmm. Um, it's often where you get the best resources. The internet sort of, you know, it's a, you know, like a photocopy of a photocopy. So we ran back to a lot of original source material. Mm-hmm. Um, a one, one great inspiration is Kingsley Amos, who wrote a book called Everyday Drinking, mm-hmm. which really embodied sort of the fun of, of the cocktail hour. And that, that was one mm-hmm. um, that really, really jumps out. But the original Waldorf Astoria book, mm-hmm. um, certainly. The Savoy Cocktail Book. Mm-hmm. The Savoy Cocktail Book. Um, David Wondrich is imbibe. Mm-hmm. We really got into a lot of um, More. material that we, some we knew and some we didn't before the project. More nostalgic also, dead bartenders. Yeah, some were nostalgic. We also were really inspired by William Grimes, who has a book called Straight Up or uh-huh. on the Rocks, which really goes into the history, particularly of the martini. And mm-hmm. his writing about cocktails is fabulous. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Now, he isn't he a Times writer? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. What were your first favorite drinks, both of you? Oh, good question. Um, probably the old-fashioned. Because really? I used to live in Madison, Wisconsin, and, and mm-hmm. the old-fashioned is the state drink. And oh, I didn't know that. And on Friday night. I did not know the old-fashioned was the state drink. <laughs> the grand old fashioned. <laughs> exactly, with Corbell. Okay, okay. And for, for, for me, it was probably the Manhattan, mm-hmm. but it was really, um, you know, it was really going out to New York in the early 2000s where I started to have some of these amazing drinks that were coming out, um, or Chicago and the Violet Hour, some of mm-hmm. the early years of the craft cocktail revolution that really turned me on to how culinary cocktails could be, how well how well balanced they could be, how I guess chefy they could be. Right, right. How did did your own tastes evolve through the research for the book, or did you pretty much stick with your favorites? You know, oh, I think absolutely. our taste really evolved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. We How's really th- found some drinks that we didn't know before. That you loved. Um, and kind of opened our, our own horizons. I mean, we wrote the book over, I think, almost two years. So right. That's <laughs> a lot a of drinks. <laughs> now, I thought it was an amazing quantity of drinks, like over 200. <laughs> but then I saw some other books have 500 drinks. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. There's, an arms, there's an arms race out there. And I think we settled on a nice size that everything could be as accurate as possible and still tell the story. Um, I mean, we could have had more as science that we started out with around 500. We really narrowed it down because at a certain point, sort of a law of diminishing returns. Once you get through these, which I think 
most vast majority of the canonical drinks are in this book, mm-hmm. plus some other ones that are just kind of personal. Yeah. Once you get there, you sort of get the style and you can go on. Right, other, right. Other. And it also seemed like some are just slight variations of other drinks. Exactly. So you don't want to be... variations, which is once, once you get into alphabetized cocktail books, it just goes on forever. Right. And then you realize that probably in every letter of the alphabet, there's some version of a martini. Right, right, <laughs> it's not, right. It's not multiple. And it just it's, it just becomes, um, you know, weighty to, yeah. to sift through. Mm-hmm. Now, ingredients. How important are ingredients? How important is the brand or the taste of the booze? And how important are the other parts? Can you address that? Andre, do you want to talk about this? I mean, I think they're supremely important. We even learned that, you know, like using filtered water and ice Ah. um, and having fresh ice really makes a difference. Yeah. Well, ice programs did not come from nowhere. (laughs) Right. It is, you know, it's like cheese or food. What makes the difference between a cheese that's really great and one that sends you to the moon or, or a meal that just sends you to the moon. There is a point at which if you do, if you really pay attention to the details with the drink and really know the ingredients and use high quality ingredients, that there's just really something magical that happens with a lot of these classic formulas. They've been around for mm-hmm. some of them for hundreds of years for a reason and done well. You kind of have these aha moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm used to cheese where the batch can be important you know we we'd we'd get meat wheels at murray's that were phenomenal and then the next month they wouldn't be phenomenal um aren't liquors more um consistent i think they are but we noticed we we noticed for example diane um if you make a manhattan and you try you know a variety of different bourbons and vermouths each one is going to taste different or if you use mm-hmm. rye. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the first things we did as we started this book was we loaded up our wet bars. We used most of our advance on building ourselves giant wet bars. We mm-hmm. did all these tastings together. Mm-hmm. Like we tasted as many vermouths as we could get our hands on. Mm-hmm. And we really figured out which um, spirits worked best in cocktails. So right. although we didn't align ourselves with any brands or get any free um, spirits or, right. or mixers at all, mm-hmm. we did include the brand names of, of the of the spirits that we used in each recipe so that if a person at home wants to make a perfectly balanced drink, mm-hmm. um, they can try the, the combination that we used, right. which, you know, in our minds was just a great, great combination. Right. And I would imagine there's some um, liquor brands that are more mellow and not going to take, you know, the front seat, and you might want that in some cocktails, but not in others. Sure, and there's a great variety in terms of quality, and also, you know, you find some brands use um, colors or chemicals and things. We really Mm -hmm. try to get away from, Mm -hmm. you know, additives and chemical ingredients. Mm -hmm. Now, what are the differences in your towns, do you feel, drink-wise, Philadelphia and Madison? What... uh, what directions do the towns go in? Do the your favorite bars? That's a good question. What do you think, Andre? That's a good question. Philadelphia has a lot of classics and a lot of history. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll see a lot of pre-prohibition drinks there. I would say less of the city difference than the type of bar you go to. 
Um, you know, if you go to some of the great craft cocktail bars either in New York or Philadelphia or even Madison, a lot of them are on very similar pages because the bartenders all know each other and they're all going to conferences together. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, it's, it's less of a, I mean, I think in general, the East Coast hues towards classics and the West Coast hues towards fresh, mm-hmm. although that kind of breakdown is um, changing. Okay. Okay. So then Madison could be in the middle. That's right. We go kind of both directions, although there's just because of the type of college town we are, we have a lot of Pacific Northwest influence, a lot of San Francisco influence. Right, right. Now, when you say fresh, do you mean the added ingredients, not the liquor? Correct. Yeah. So, you know, on the West Coast, there's just a lot of great ingredients that you can get. Um, year-around where you can't in the Midwest or the East Coast. Right, right. Like fresh juices, citrus, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm, right. Yeah, yes. well, both, both get the fresh citrus, but a lot of, a lot of like, produce are interesting, um, you know, herbs. Right. Mm-hmm. So what were your majors in college, the two of you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I majored in English and creative writing. Okay, that's not uh, surprising. And I was a philosophy major. Oh, that's perfect for drinking. <laughs> the bartender who was sort of making fun of me while he was making my drinks was a philosophy and comp lit major. So, oh, funny. So that sort of includes both of you. <laughs> yes. I find a lot of writers and philosophers behind bars. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's because there are no jobs in writing and philosophy. <laughs> I don't know. I beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have a real job. I'm an English professor. Right, 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 right. So uh, do your, um, what do your students think of your new book? Well, I'm slowly easing them away from flavored vodkas and towards gin. Oh, thank goodness. I know. Now, so, I see it as a service. Now that, yes, definitely. Now that is, I have shied away from flavored vodkas just because oh, I'm ornery. And I didn't know there are none in the book. Is that true? This is true. But- it's true. We really believe that if you want to flavor vodka, it's so easy to do on your own with fresh ingredients. Right, right. Or the flavor can be a, a fresh juice put into the drink. Yeah, there are mm-hmm. a couple of companies that are doing great work. Uh, Hanger One, you know, does a does a wonderful raspberry and a few other um, flavors where they're actually using fruit that they're macerating. But you know, a lot of the flavored stuff is. You know, chemical-based flavor additives, or you know, even sort of essential oils, and mm-hmm. and um, so you know, it's all over the board. So not not all flavored vodka is that. Okay, okay. Now um, these days, what are the pressures on bartenders out there um, with all the concocted cocktails and and classics? I mean, kind of both going on at once. Does a bar have to have its own special cocktails? 
It really, it really depends. I think um, the, the pressure is just the, the stakes are higher for remembering more drinks. I mean, these are all things that are really great for consumers. That mm-hmm. bars are, you know, really have to be using fresh ingredients, or people can tell. Um, I feel like the the, the just the, the bar for quality has really gone up in the last decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's that you know, it's really uh, we're really in the second golden age of, of American cocktails, having re you know discovered. Uh, our American heritage with these with these drinks that mm-hmm. in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, um, you know, sort of turned into um, Kool Aid, and now and now they're back, um, <laughs> you know, rediscovering rediscovering these wonderful recipes. Mm-hmm. Do you it's s- kind of like what's happened with cheese, you right, know, during the right. industrial age, people right. got used to eating. Uh, industrial cheeses, and just like the cock in the cocktail world, people got used to mixers and um, grenadine made with you know red number five and things like that. Right. But that's that's right. not how always. That's not how things used to be. Right, right. Do you feel the trends have gone too far? Is it too silly? Is it you know? Is the pressure pushing people into crazy land? <laughs> I think there's always a, a danger of that with the fast followers, you know, but the principles of the thing are what's important. You know, and the vast majority of good bars, you know, craft cocktail bars are still following, you know, principles that are just the same for food or cheese. Right. right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, pr- principles of, of quality. I think we entered a moment there where, you know, unfortunately, craft cocktails were tied to handlebar mustaches and aprons, mm-hmm. which was a little, you know, sort of an aesthetic distraction. Right. And I think actually a lot of bars, um, you know, in the last five years have really stepped away from that um, to, to, to realize that, hey, we don't need to be fussy mm-hmm. uh, in that way about these drinks. We should really mainstream this. Right, right. And make the drinks the best they can be made, not with 100 mm-hmm. ingredients, but with maybe four or five. That's right. You want some of the best, some of the best drinks. Uh, you know, people always ask, "How do you know what? What do you order to when you go into a bar to find out whether they make a great, great drink or not?" And a Manhattan is a great one. Mm-hmm. Just, just the basic ingredients. You're going to learn all there is to know about how good the bar is. Manhattan, or a lot of people think daiquiri, mm-hmm. right? another just three ingredients drink. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So that's good advice. It's kind of like it's, it's kind of like a box. You know, there's nowhere to hide. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, on that on that note, I think I'm going to read one of your your first line in the book that I absolutely loved. And the first line of the book is, "We're not bartenders. We're lushes." <laughs> Was there any dispute dispute over that line? (laughs) It's kind of over the top, but, you know, in a a tongue-in-cheek way, we wanted to be really clear that, hey, we don't work in the industry. Uh, We don't want to misrepresent ourselves. But we really do love love drinks. Right. We love food, but we love drinking, too. So we come at it with with passion and... um, a sense of exploration. Well, how can you not want to keep reading after that line? And your great attitude just jumps off the page in the in the whole book. Thank you. And luscious seems like an old fashioned word to me. I feel like my mother <laughs> used that word. <laughs> well, let's resurrect it. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a delightful book. 
Uh, the name of the book is The New Cocktail Hour by Andre Darlington and Tania Dar- Darlington, brother and sister, joining me from Philadelphia and Wisconsin, Madison. And uh, it's been great to talk to you both. Thanks oh, for having us, Great. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.